Hey everyone, welcome to the 16th episode of the Personal Growth Project, and in this episode we have a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, of course. Thank you, Abigail. Um, hi everyone, I'm Serena. I'm a current senior in high school going into college, and uh, what we want to talk to you about today is teenagers in the startup world. So outside of school, I co-founded this startup, a uh, mobile app startup called Sensory Training. It basically uses an algorithm to automate the creation of personalized training plans for competitive athletes in climbing. Um, some basic background of how I got started in this is that I started climbing around two years ago. Um, at the time, it was not very good, actually terrible. I remember that um, during my first competition, I ranked like second last, which was really bad. And I just went home thinking how I can improve. Um, digging through a lot of research paper and a lot of exercise science books, I was able to come up with this algorithm with my technical co-founder. And that led to our one and a half year journey uh, growing this app and our organization. So some experiences I've had is uh, hiring a few people going to this incubator where we uh, won like three or four pitch competitions, gaining around $10,000 USD in prize money with strings attached and uh, talking to a lot of uh, investors from angel groups, as well as uh, a lot of fellow teen entrepreneurs. So it has been a very wild journey. Um, I'm here to share that with everyone here. That's super awesome. And I think it's just so inspirational what you've done already at your age. Um, you. I feel like a startup is something that's really intimidating to a lot of people. Like once you came up with that idea for what you wanted to do, how did you actually put that into action? Like, were there some first steps you had? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I didn't know anything called startup when I got started. When I got started, it was just how can I make a training app that's so scalable that I can make myself a training plan and it, it can also make other people a training plan. Uh, we started with just building out the technology without even considering the business side. Um, at the time, I was not very technical. So I had to take a whole Udemy course. It was like 50 hours long on how to do iOS development. Um, I'm still not the main person who does it. My co-founder, he's technical, so he does it. But in the beginning, when we got together, we just focused on building the product. And eventually how we got exposed to the startup scene is um, partly through friends and partly through um, the university incubator. So the university incubator is where my co-founder um, is from. Ontario Tech University and they had this incubator that reached out to all their students saying okay we have a new program if anyone's interested you can apply and we're like wait what is the startup and then we looked into it we're like wait we can we're doing something like that maybe we can apply so we did and at the time we were working with some world cup climbers and coaches to develop the the app I, I guess they were impressed so they let us in and that's how we got into the incubator program um, as of the friend side i had a few friends who were older than me by a year or two and they were very involved in the startup area they're crazy like they're raising money for their um this might be controversial but their web three startups and a lot of new technology so at the time i saw what they were doing kind of got engaged in the space that way so i would say just through friends um also through the incubator program that is so cool. So some of my listeners may not know what an incubator is. Like, do you have a simple definition for that? 
Oh yeah, of course. So it's basically a program that takes you through um, what it's like building a startup. They have like guest speakers come and tell you about their journeys. They have workshops um, as well as presentations, just a program to accelerate your um, journey uh, working on your product. Okay, that's really cool. Where did you find yours? And like, how could listeners of the podcast find one if they were interested? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Mine, I came across very like randomly, but if you wanted to find a incubator or a similar program as a teen, there are uh, startup incubators or programs focused just for teens. Um, Usually you can search up like Gen Z or teen um, accelerators. Some of the ones I can recommend from personal experience is 1517 fund. I'm not sure if they call it 1517 fund, but just put that in. Um, they're really cool. I'm talking to some of the guys there uh, this week. Uh, Z Fellows is a great one. So, um, they have multiple programs and one of the programs, they give you $10,000 to stop, stop school, stop work for a week and just uh, work on your idea, work on your project. Um, ODX on deck is another one. They have a very low acceptance rate. It was like four or 5%. And um, that one gives you 125k for 7% last time I checked. So these are all pretty good organizations, actually really amazing organizations that support teens and believe in Gen Z's, our potential. So if you want to get started, we can try looking at those, especially I suggest you reach out to 1517 Fund if you have an idea. They're very supportive. Oh my gosh, that is just so cool that you were able to find all those opportunities because I honestly had no idea that stuff like that existed. Do you think that there was like an overarching big lesson that you learned from just like getting involved in all of those groups and meeting those people? Yeah, I think the main learning, it's very mental. It's like as students, we think of ourselves as students, we think of ourselves as teens, Um, we think of adults as, oh yeah, they always know better, yeah, we're not there yet, Uh, we can't do all those legit real world things at our age, but I think getting involved in this community and seeing all the crazy people in it, what they're doing, like some of them have raised millions, some have been acquired for six figures, like you think, um, you realize your potential, and you start to believe that you can literally do what you set your mind to. Um, So I think my gain here is mostly uh, this mindset that whatever you don't know, you can learn. Um, Whatever gap you need to fix between where you want to be and where you are, you can just fix the gap, close it yourself. Like this idea that um, nothing is impossible. I know it sounds cliche, but you don't really feel it until you see your peers or even yourself um, doing it. And then you just think, wow, I can, I can do this. I can, if I can do this, what else can I do? So that was my biggest takeaway. I think that's so inspirational. And I've definitely had experiences where I know on LinkedIn, especially I've met some really cool people. Mm. And, you know, when you meet those people, you just realize like, oh my gosh, they're literally my age and they've already done X, Y, and Z. It's possible for me as well. Yeah, yeah, especially um, you see all these people on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on YouTube. I think there are like two mindsets that people generally have. One is that they're like, oh my God, people are already doing that at my age. I'm so behind. Like, I feel so bad about myself. Um, That could be one mindset. And another mindset, which I would suggest um, we all have, it's like, wow, if they can do it, then um, why can't I do it? It's like, you see it as a possibility, not a competition. So I think the second mindset um, would be like the growth mindset we can all strive to have, just a 
just a personal hunch. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that if we all had growth mindsets when it came to that stuff, we could accomplish so much more. So I do have a question. Were there any specific resources you learned to, you know, kind of get started in the startup world? Or did you just learn mostly from experience? Oh, I had no experience to start with. So I definitely um, use a lot of resources. Um, So because what I what I was working on, it's a um, technology uh, product. So I had to learn both the startup side and also the technology side. So for the startup side, I really suggest looking into the Y Combinator um, startup school series. The registration is free. They basically have a lot of YouTube videos, lectures, um, activities uh, when you enroll. So for example, every week you get to chat with other founders about your progress and they have uh, a curriculum tailored for you. If you fill out all of their questions, they tailor um, the course to what you need. So that's a really great resource. Y Combinator is like, <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys know about it. Y Combinator is like, perhaps the best, um, the world's best accelerator. They now give 125K for 7% as well as 500K uh, as a safe for startups who get in their programs. But I'm not talking about their accelerated program, I'm talking about just their resources and videos. So those are really helpful for getting a sense of what, what kind of um, things you can expect, raising money, hiring, talking to customers, building products, scaling products, looking for product market fit, all of these things they have lectures on. So I found that really, really helpful. As for the tech side, um, Udemy is my best friend. Um, Just looking at the lessons and the courses online, I think it was good. However, I feel like if you really want a systematic education, maybe pursuing a degree would be best. Uh, Like I had a friend who's really good at building. He, his startup was acquired, but he was basically telling me that if you want to be good at something, you can't just learn it haphazardly because uh, you're not giving yourself a systematic education. So he spent like t- two years, was it two years, like six hours to eight hours a day learning to code by himself. And he was saying that he would suggest anyone else do this if they want to master a skill. So I'm not very good at technology even to today. Like I think I have some basic skill sets to like uh, put it together, but definitely not great. That's why I'm going into computer science and business um, as like the college education. So I would suggest that you learn it yourself and you try to go deep, but you also try to build a systematic uh, curriculum for yourself um, to learn the basics and build solid foundations. I think that is just so inspirational, like the way you taught yourself all that. And honestly, I feel like that is one of the hardest things about getting into something new because we're already like doing school and whatnot. And sometimes it just feels like we're lacking in the motivation to start up those things. Did you ever experience times where you just felt like, I don't really want to code or I don't really want to learn to do this? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I do experience that. In fact, I think um, everyone experiences that at some point. You can't always be motivated um, like sometimes I'm super motivated. I wake up and like, yeah, I'm setting my mind to do this. I feel so happy. I'm working on something I feel is meaningful. And those days I have no problem with motivation, but on other days when maybe things are not going very well and you have a lot of work to do, uh, I think what's important is to build a good support system. Like my co-founder is very patient. Um, our mentors are also very patient. So 
when I have uh, any trouble with anything, I think having them as a supporters, as supporters of mine, that really helped. Um, I, I would suggest like Paul Graham from Y Combinator suggests that you find a co-founder because going at it alone is just very heavy um, in, in terms of workload and emotional like you don't have the emotional support so finding a co-founder finding a support system whether that's through friends family uh, partners yeah that would all be great just be engaged with the people around you and support each other and what you're doing i think that those are some really good points i know that definitely when i've been trying to work on new stuff i mean you can kind of grind through it alone if you're really motivated but sometimes you know you just get kind of burned out and yeah. it really is that support from other people that keeps you going. So yeah, you yeah. actually mentioned um, experience with local angel investor groups. How did you start talking to these groups? And like, when did you realize that, hey, this is something that has potential and that people really want to see um, grow? Yeah, that's a really good question again. Um, so I think getting touch getting in touch with angels um, or even angel groups, that sounds like a very opaque topic. And I think that would be true. So I will talk about the ways I got in touch with them and how my friends have gotten in touch. Uh, for me, it was just through connections uh, from the incubator because the incubator program has their own mentors and their own staff. Um, they were connected to Spark Angels, um, York Angels, just local angel groups in my area. I'm in Canada. So they were able to uh, have the angels come in and like have us talk to each other. So that's how we met the angels. And I think because the angel liked me for my age, I also like the passion. So we kept going after the incubator program ended and we just talked in private. Um, they might introduce you to even more people. Um, so starting from just one connection, it brings you a lot in terms of the people in your network. So that's the way I approached it, which I think is very hard to do um, because it was so random, it was not planned. But the ways my friend did it, it was very smart. So I know a few people who just went to tech conventions, especially the ones in Silicon Valley or New York, those are like huge tech conventions. They just went in and mingled and then they met some cool people and that's how they got their first few connections. Um, they kept on they kept on uh, moving uh, forward with the connections. The connections introduced them to more people and then more people. And then that's how they encountered angel groups or VCs. Uh, if you don't want to travel or like go to conventions alone, I think going on Twitter or LinkedIn would be a good idea as well, especially Twitter. There's so many cool people on Twitter, like just to talk to more people, um, get to know everyone. And eventually when there are like people they know that you want to talk to, then you guys can connect that way. So just three ways you can just uh, talk to people at conventions or through like existing connections or just find people online through like Twitter or LinkedIn. That's literally so cool that you've met all these people through like Twitter and LinkedIn. You also <laughs> mentioned Instagram and YouTube. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. So the, the first friend that I met um, who was into startup, he's still a pretty good friend today. But I saw his YouTube video um, online and I was like, whoa, 
he's how old? My age? What the heck? How is he doing this? And I had a very thick skin, so I just DM'd him on Instagram, uh, and then he replied. And then we became, like, pretty, pretty good friends, uh, and that's how I got in touch with him. I think that if you see someone you um, think is cool or someone you would like to connect with, just don't hesitate to reach out, even if, if they don't, like, reply to you, it's still okay. Um, just go out and mingle is my, is my suggestion for everyone. I can totally relate to that, actually, because <laughs> one day I was on YouTube and I saw this guy who was also making self-improvement YouTube videos, and I yeah. remember I made, like, a nice comment or something, and now yeah. we're, like, friends and we actually support each other's work, and it's just, yeah, it's just really nice to have that support from people. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, just a YouTube comment? <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard of that. <laughs> so... You also mentioned that you had this goal of just being spontaneous and just starting. Could you tell us about like how we can get over our fear of failure and just start? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I think when people say just do it or just start, it's like easy for you to say, right? It's yeah. not as simple as that. <laughs> Definitely not. But um, I think for me i'm someone who really likes to plan because especially as a student coming out of a traditional background i was very studious i'm like okay i need to get good marks go to good uni um, i'll be fine that way but when you get exposed to these ideas of oh you just build something you just do it you're like what how do you even do that right so how do you shift to the mindset of being spontaneous i think it's the idea of dealing with the invisible barriers. Um, for example, uh, I was planning my trip to uh, around North America this summer, but I'm 17, so that doesn't seem likely. And my mom's just like, no, you can't do that. But what I tried to do is why can't you do that? You dig through all the reasons, even the hidden ones, the invisible ones, um, your assumptions, like, why can't you do that? Why, like, literally why? Uh, you can't do hotels, what about hostels? Not, no hostels, what about Airbnbs? And then you just go through all of your underlying assumptions of why you can't just get started. Um, let's say if, if you're trying to start a, start on it and a project idea, right? And you're like, yeah, I can't get started right now because I first have to do research and then I can build it right now. I don't know anything, so I can't do it. Like, first of all, that logic is very flawed because you're saying you have, there's something in between you and the project, therefore you cannot. But why don't you just get through the middle uh, blockade of what's preventing you from starting? So just literally stop when you think you can't get started and ask yourself, what's actually preventing you from getting started dig through all the layers and put actionable steps to them uh, instead of just saying oh i assume i can so yeah another day so that's just that's the way i think about it yeah that's just straight wisdom i'm definitely guilty of that actually it's just so much easier to say well you know, I'm not really ready to start researching this project and I don't know enough about it because then you can just be like, oh, I'll just research it later. No big deal. And then it never happens. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think I, I took this from a YouTube video about how to stop procrastinating. But it's, it was like the five second or three second rule. Just when you realize what next step you have to take, you just count down three, two, one, and then you just go do it. Um, and then you, you eventually realize, oh, I'm already doing it. I'm already in action. 
Oh my gosh, I literally forgot about that. Thank you for <laughs> reminding me. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned like, okay, so when you were working on the startup, I know that well, a podcast isn't really similar to a startup by any means, but I think one of my biggest struggles was like actually reaching people and getting the word out about what I was doing. How did you start advertising? Because I feel like the marketing is what makes a product. Oh yeah, that's a that's a really important question, um, a very hard one actually. So the way we started gaining traction was actually on Reddit. So when we had this idea, we had a prototype. We didn't have at that, at that stage, we didn't have a product out, um, but we wanted to gauge how interested people were in these products. So we went on Reddit and I made a really long post um, talking about the features, the benefits, how this whole app works um, on a subreddit. And people responded very well. That day we got like 900 something signups, like email signups, just from a Reddit post. So we're like, whoa, this is so crazy. Uh, we Our Reddit post was trending for a good week. And then that's when we realized, yeah, people really want this. So that's how we collected our first email list. But that did not work out very well because by the time we had the product, it's been like a few months. So people started losing interest. Uh, they're like, yeah, I, for I forgot I signed up for this. Like, uh, what was this about again? So there was not as much interest as we anticipated like a few months later. Um, how we went about getting our customers then was uh, actually Instagram memes. So you know how people pay for Instagram ads? Um, yeah. Yeah, we didn't really do that. We went to meme accounts and then we were like, hey, can you make a meme that incorporates our product? And they're like, okay, sure, $30. We're like, okay, uh, great. And then because it's fan engaging, I think people saw it, they were like, okay, I'm curious about what this app is about. And then they downloaded it. Some started paying for it. And we had a, we had like a thousand dollars from 50 or $60 of uh, meme ad money. So that's how we got our first real batch of customers on iPhones. And it was really funny because it's memes, you know, who would expect that? After we started looking into more legit collaborations with YouTubers and um, athletes in this space. So that's what we're working on right now. But memes and Reddit is how we got started. That is literally so cool. I never would have <laughs> guessed that you would have such success off of Reddit and memes. Like that's <laughs> actually so cool. Okay. So you mentioned that there were some problems you wanted to discuss. Do you want to discuss the problem of genuine impact versus clout chasing? Yeah, this is very controversial. Like, okay, so when you think about founders, uh, or if you're just working on any self-led project, um, you think you're doing it because you believe in a cause, you want to have impact on the world, so you do it. Um, but these days, what I'm starting to see, it's just my opinion, I, I think it's bad. Some people think it's really good. So uh, yeah, just my two cents but i see a lot of people chasing after just what's hot in the market when bitcloud came out it was some kind of crypto thing that kind of failed right now um it was very hot at the moment and people just uh they got in they try to make something out of it and sometimes they can exit with liquidity and then be like oh i made some i, I made some money so uh, to be honest, I personally don't think those projects are anywhere as meaningful as like this podcast or building something real because it's like you're just trying to get into 
what has clout at the moment when not trying to think about what impact you ultimately want to have with your product so I see some people do that I'm like about it um and then yeah so that aspect I personally don't really like and another aspect is um the cloud chasing like some people they're like oh my god we reached a valuation of X, X, X dollars. Uh, when are you going to raise your series, uh, series A? When are you going to read your seed round? What about your pre-seed? Like, when are you going to get started? So these like toxic comparisons, I think is a mental aspect and people talk about it sometimes. I personally don't believe this is what we should be chasing when we start on anything. Because when we start on our project, it should be out of passion and like, oh, I want to do this because I want to help people accomplish uh, Personal, personalized training, uh, personalized training for climbing, or self, um, or productivity for self-help, or just some aspect you want to change about the world, not just comparison and feeling cool because you're elite. So that's one aspect I found uh, troublesome in the space, and I think it's 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 okay because we're all teens, right? Um, at some point, we are gonna be like, wow, this is really cool that they raised so much money, and it is it's really cool that they built this and have this result. Yeah, it is, but it shouldn't be the only metric we're looking after. Ultimately, we have to return to why are we doing this in the first place? And that should be the number one principle we ground ourselves to. I think that that really hits home for me. And I actually recently listened to a podcast episode on soul versus ego. And um, Haley Hoffman Smith, she's the one who makes the podcast. She was basically talking about how it's really easy for us to get caught up living out of the ego and doing stuff just for attention instead of living from the soul, which I would see as like actually caring about the impact of the work that we make. So that actually connected really nicely for me. I think that's a really good point. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a really good um, episode. I'm going to look for it after. <laughs> Yeah, it's called, I think, Big Conversations. Okay. Yeah. So you also mentioned um, having like an identity crisis as an issue with startups. Would you like to explain what that's like? <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of pressure and stress. Like I seem, I'm very happy and grateful for this experience and I definitely am. But of course, there are negative aspects of it. So um, especially being a teen in the quote unquote startup space, it you sometimes wonder if you're legit and sometimes you're not, but you always think like, oh, what are they gonna think of me? These are adults. Like, are they gonna think, oh, what a cute kid trying to start something. Um, so you kind of want to establish yourself as legitimate. I usually I don't talk like this in meetings. I would I would put on like actual makeup to seem more mature. I would do what I can to uh, appear more credible. And you can say it's putting on a face, but I think it's like establishing your persona and credibility in a way. But sometimes you have to like create an identity for you in front of these more credible people. So they believe in you. Uh, I don't mean this in a psychopathic psychotic way, like Elizabeth Holmes, but just normally people would want to establish credibility in front of other people and this could lead to problems like it did for me for example when I was at school I kind of confused who I actually am am I like the very professional person I am in meetings or am I the person who laughs at meetings with my friends so it was very hard distinguishing these two identities it was hard to make the switch sometimes and 
I'll just put up a face. It's very hard sometimes. Uh, I would say that's the identity part and the stress and pressure part. It's very different. It's like if you're the person in your uh, product and you have other people that depend on you, for example, employees, stakeholders, mentors, investors, potential investors, they want to, they, you want something from them, they want something from you. Like they, you want to show them that this is a, a very good business and you should invest or okay team we're doing well keep going you want to convince everyone of something and that sometimes means you have to hide the the things that are not very not going very well for example um let's say that th this campaign of advertisement is not going very well and then your investors or your teammates are like oh how is it going you can't just be like, oh my God, I'm so upset. These people, they, they're not subscribing. I, I, I don't get it. It's so hard. You can't, you can't do that. You have to make sure that you still hold up your identity, your um, professionalism. And uh, what that means is like managing the emotions yourself and dealing with it yourself before going out and being professional again. So I feel like as a, I can't blame this on my age, but just for me, it was very hard to deal with this because when I grew up, I was, I was very open about my emotions. When I fail a test, I don't do that often, but sometimes I do, I cry with my friends, but I'm just like very expressive for my emotions. But I feel like that doesn't really work in this situation. You have to contain it to some extent yourself. Um, that could be uh, a point of stress and pressure for me. I literally relate to that so much because I was actually like in my freshman year, I joined this startup called Screen Allies, and we were basically working on providing these resources to families to help them lead their kids to digital balance. And I was a member of the marketing team. This is like my first ever experience with like working in a team of actual adults. Oh, wow. And oh my gosh, we were starting email campaigns and we were trying to email all these high school PTAs and PTOs. And it was honestly like a really big flop. And it was just so hard to go to the weekly meetings and be like, yeah, so only three people responded. <laughs> yeah, that's very hard. I think dealing with failures, not permanent failure, just um, it's a journey, right? You're going to encounter failures at some point, like dealing with it. Um, it's a, it's a big area of growth and a big opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned something so interesting in uh, the little show notes you sent me. So you mm -hmm. mentioned dropout culture. Could you tell me about that? Cause I feel like I've definitely heard people talk about, you should just drop out. You don't need college work on stuff full time. Yeah, this is a big thing. Um, well, first, it, it kind of makes sense if your stakeholders want you to drop out and work full time, because if you're a student, it ultimately takes up um, too much attention, so you can't focus entirely. But from a personal perspective, I personally believe in the value of uh, secondary education, no, post-secondary education, um, and I don't personally want to drop out. But there is a strong dropout culture where everyone, your peers, your mentors, uh, like everyone encourages you to drop out. So like, why are you still going to class anyways? Like, you don't need to be a good student. Like, what do good students do? They don't do any of this stuff. They just get good grades. Like there's an emphasis that good student is being looked down upon somehow. If you get good grades, you're like, yeah, you're just a normal kid who goes to school 
yeah, like, yeah, don't do that. So <laughs> I feel like the traditional path is often being looked down upon. Um, and the space often focuses on tangible results. For example, uh, how much money can you raise? How, how, how fast can you grow? How many users can you get? So, and these like short-term results, you don't really see in school because I feel like school, it's a long-term game. You build up yourself uh, like with years of education. Sometimes you don't see immediate result. Actually, you almost never see immediate result. Like the only immediate result would be your grade. You don't see like, oh, today I went to class and I made $200. You don't see any of the short-term results. So I think that leads people to think that going to school is useless. There was one phrase that circulated in my mind for quite a bit. It was, what is your, when is your English assignment gonna be evaluated at blah, 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 dollars? Like they really look at hard metrics in the startup space. So I think that's one reason why they think school is useless. Um, also because startup space is generally not traditional and school is traditional. So it kind of clashes there. But I was talking to a friend, the friend who got acquired and then he was really pissed off because everyone's telling him to drop out. He's like, no, I want to go to college. I already paid my deposit and he said it got offensive at some point where someone kept on saying you have to drop out what are you doing at school so it's a personal choice I don't think anyone should feel like dropping out is superior or staying in school is superior it's just what you choose for yourself and don't let anyone try to convince you um, to do something that you don't think is good for yourself. I think that's such a good mindset to have because I know that like especially I feel like if you were new in that and everyone was telling you you need to do this you need to do this you would probably feel like really pressured to drop out mm -hmm. so I think that that's really cool that you've stayed in school <laughs> yeah I think um if you want to try dropping out uh, don't do it yet take a gap here a lot of friends are doing that and they're doing great but don't be so extreme like when we say spontaneous you still have to think through your decision right not just oh I'm gonna drop out because I thought of it this morning so nothing of that sort is encouraged that's, yeah that's very true I feel like what was difficult for me when I was starting my podcast was just like I guess judgment from peers and like I guess it's called imposter syndrome did you face this when you were like starting your startup because I feel like some people might be like oh well she thinks she's better than us <laughs> yeah always always sometimes you get comments from peers and you, you're just like wait was that like kind of passive aggressive or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like um when I was starting they're like, oh so how's your little app going <laughs> just like wait are you checking on me or are you trying to hmm but I think it's normal because when peers are like questioning what you're doing it's not a ref reflection of your um it's not a, a reflection of you or your abilities it's a reflection of what they think is possible so if they're like oh like you're just 16 you can't do any of this what are you trying to do what are you even trying to do it really shows that they don't believe people at 16 like them themselves can do this so don't take it personally it's a belief um and it has nothing to do with what you're trying to do. It doesn't define um, it does, doesn't define you or your future, your progress. Um, so when I face it, I'm like, yeah, I'll tell you what other people have accomplished if you don't think I'm legit. Do you think uh, raising XX, X dollars is legit? Do you think um, getting acquired is legit? They're like, whoa, they actually do that? I'm like, yeah, because um, teens are capable. And then that changes their mindset. 
um, changes, it changed my mindset in the beginning too. And then they start believing that if this is possible, then they sh should stop questioning you or what you're working on because it is respectable if anyone's trying to build something legit. I think that that's really cool how you've taken that and you've made it into like a positive thing where you can actually inspire people if they're hating on you. I should probably take some notes from that. <laughs> they're not like hating. They're just um, highly skeptical. My dad was also highly skeptical because these things are unconventional. You have to admit that, right? People will usually be like, okay, uh, 16, I'm going to start a company. Um, that actually works. It is incorporated. It is legal. It is running. We have employees. Like people don't usually do that. So it's natural for other people to think that it's not viable. It's not feasible. Yeah, that is true. People were definitely like, what? When I told them I was going to start a podcast. <laughs> yeah. So you also mentioned like that there's a lack of diversity in the startup space. How did you navigate that? Because I feel like that's another way you could be challenged by other people and their perceptions of you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the lack of diversity, I think I realized how big of a problem is. Before that, I was just like, yeah, so what? I'm 16. Everyone around me is 16. So what? I'm a girl. Half of the people around me are girls. Like, I don't feel like a minority. But when I enter this, uh, when I dip my feet into the waters I would say because obviously the journey is not complete it's ongoing so I can't say I'm like done with it or anything but when I started I realized how much of a minority I am like in the incubator all you see were guys with long beards who are engineering students and then you could you could see them and then you can see yourself and you're like wait we don't look any we don't look similar at all <laughs> so you feel you feel different in the space, not intentionally, just because everyone around you is a certain um, group, but you feel like you're an outlier. Um, I would say that this space is heavily male dominated, not just startup, not just projects, but um, tech in general has a lot of men. I have met like maybe 10 founders and nine of them are men. I know like one or two people who are women that are doing self-led projects like uh, especially the technical ones but other than that it's mostly engineering guys um who are like in their 20s this is my experience and that doesn't feel very well because when i'm pitching i constantly think about my credibility compared to theirs like they have undergrad degrees they're computer science graduates they've had internships they've had work experience and I'm just a high school student. So I don't think there's diversity in terms of gender and age. Um, so that was my experience in my incubator. But don't get me wrong, the incubator was really helpful. And despite being the minority, I had a great time. It's just feeling like the diversity was not balanced at all. That was my experience. Um, also, being woman, it's kind of, it's very hard, I think, because it's hard, just it feels hard to connect with other people. You can't just be like, oh, hey, bro, I'm going to San Francisco uh, in three days. Can I crash at your place? You can't do that. I, I don't think you can do that. So it just feels like you have more distance with everyone else because of the gender. Um, I would say that's, uh, an, um, that's like a statement that's very generic, but I made a lot of friends who are men because they mostly are men. I'm just saying maybe you can't become as close 
with them as you would with like someone who is the same as their gender. I, I don't want to sound so sexist, but that was just my experience. I just found it harder. So there's a lack of diversity um, in terms of like there's no there's basically no in the space, and everyone's a CS kid or some engineering background. Um, yeah, that was my experience for diversity. I think that the point you made about gender actually like that's actually a really good point I never thought about how it would be harder to connect with like males because like one they're like they're males and they're probably like older and like college students that would probably be hard to feel like you fit in and it would be harder to connect because like yeah it would be weird to ask if you could crash at someone's place <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it just didn't feel like if it felt like there was an invisible barrier um, in that aspect. So I've gone through the points that you have on your um, on your application thing. Is there anything else that you want to mention? Do you have like any overarching points that you want the listeners to walk away with? Oh, yeah, I forgot to add something for the gender point. Um, I was talking to this founder. She's She's like older, she's in her 20s or 30s and her startup was accepted to Y Combinator. Um, and I think they're doing very well. So I was talking to her about how she deals with the lack of diversity. And uh, when I told this to my friend group, they just, they were like, no, why are you being so sexist? You can't say that. But what she basically said was, just try to forget the difference between you being a girl and they being guys. Just think of you guys all as startup people, uh, builders, like find the common things between you guys instead of just looking at the differences of gender. I, I do think this is not a long-term solution for diversity, but it could be a helpful mindset when approaching this as a minority. Um, not sure if that sounds like bad in terms of like sexism, but that was the advice I got and I found it useful in practice. So I'm just gonna leave it at that. Uh, in terms of the overarching message for takeaway, um, I would say that don't start something because you feel, feel like you have to start something. If you don't know what to start, first of all, don't feel pressure that you have to. And if you do want to start something you don't know what to do, just explore, explore what you like, explore your passions. Um, I love the projects my friends and I have started. It, it all stemmed from like personal passions. Me, for me, it was climbing, pulling on plastic, my friends say. And for other people, it's like studying, education, uh, pets so just find what you love don't even think about the results or any of that just pursue what you want to do and see how you can help others in the process and that might eventually become a product or a successful project um even if it doesn't this whole experience so far it's just so transformative i i i can't i couldn't have wished for anything else like it's just incredible it's an incredible journey the people I've met the experiences I've had just the amount of personal growth um, I experienced through working on this tremendous absolutely amazing um, so I would suggest anyone if you if you have something in mind or even if you don't uh, start exploring or start pursuing what you really like and eventually you might find yourself in a situation where you wake up to work that you absolutely love and you find your find meaning in your work and that's a wonderful feeling those are such nice points thank you <laughs> thank you abigail 
So I have one final question, and this is something that I've been trying to ask um, guests who come on the podcast. If you could tell younger you something, what would it be? Mm, that's a difficult, good question um, for myself. I think personally, chasing prestige, chasing results too much. So if I had to tell myself, um, give myself a tip, it would just to be do things out of love and passion instead of trying to seek accomplishments, results. So just follow the journey and do it because you like the process. And that way you will not only be happier, but you will find more meaning in what you're doing instead of just chasing hard numbers and chasing results. I think that that's a really awesome point. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. So is there anywhere that um, the listeners can find what you've been working on? Like, do you have any social media you want to advertise? Um, well, it's not self-promotion, but if you want to find me or chat with me, you can just uh, DM me on Instagram. It's serena.ge. S- oh my God, my sister's home. It's serena.ge, I think. Yeah, I'll- we can like post in the comment section or something. You can feel free to DM me or uh, reach out to me in any ways. And then we can like talk about what you wanna do. I'm always open. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much Abigail for having me. So that was Serena talking about being a teen in the startup world. I think that this episode was just so cool. She is so inspirational. And you heard her. If you want to find her, look her up on social media. I'll tag her in the post announcing this episode, of course. So you can find her and you can talk to her about startups if you want. Um, So main points she covered were her backstory, how she got into you know, startups, how she met people, how she networked, her experience from working with angel investors, how she learned to just start and stop procrastinating on, you know, researching your product. And also, she made a really important point on how you should be doing stuff out of love and genuinely thinking about the impact that your product has on others, instead of clout chasing and just trying to get recognition, which honestly, is a super important thing. So I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. I definitely enjoyed recording it. And I think that she is just such an awesome person. Um, If you would like to speak on the podcast, like if you're feeling inspired by hearing about her story, and you have a story that would be cool to share, then definitely fill out the podcast application form, you can find it in the podcast link tree, which is on the podcast Instagram. The account name is at Personal Growth Project Official. And on the link tree, you have where you can find our most recent episodes. And there should be um, a link that says speak on the podcast. And if you just click on that, it'll take you to a really short Google form that you can just fill out. And then I'll email you back and we'll arrange a time for you to speak on the podcast. I'd really love to hear what you have to say and Thank you to everyone who's listening to this podcast. I really do appreciate you guys and I'll see you in the next week's episode.